Episode 34 Zone World. Got a real tight interview this week with OCDJ. Uh, real quick, I want to say I am on this Raff Round Robin tour right now with Pasolacqua and Easy Jackson. This week we're playing Nashville, Little Rock, Houston, Austin, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. So, uh, peep Raff Round Robin com for these dates if you live there or if you live anywhere because the tour is just getting started um the art is by mike riley comics we're being hosted by splicetoday.com and i want to give you a little background on this particular interview um dan had me meet him at an address that i thought was like his house basically but um he met me there on foot and took me out to some water and uh, took us out to this rowboat. And we basically got in the boat for a second. Um, long story short, your man exceeded the weight limit. So um, we borrowed this other boat and went out into the water. I still think we're going to some land across the water, but... He takes us out to this other sailboat, and there's this lounge music blasting, um, and it kind of dawns on me that this is where he lives. He lives on this boat, um, and it's a real cool scene. He's got the, the teas going, he's got the rice and beans going, the music going. It was a real cool vibe. So we laid this whole interview down in this boat, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's, Let's go, go in. Uh, I grew up in North Jersey, mm. kind of uh, due west of, of the city of, of New York. Yeah. Like about, um, I think last time I was up there, I was at my dad's and I drove to do the show at uh, Death by Audio, and it was like 45 minutes door to door, so mm. pretty what's, close to the city. What's the town called? It's called Randolph. Oh, okay. Um, it's near this uh, other town called Morristown, which is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, still not really a notable town, but people know it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like right on that cusp of being completely rural and being like this like obnoxious crappy dense suburb mm. so it was kind of like right in between a little bit of both worlds mm. and like did you have brothers and sisters and stuff uh, I had an older sister um, we had a horrible relationship um, mm. until I until I got older like the more crazy stuff happened in my life the, like the closer we got and so now we're like best friends mm. what was what made it horrible we just fought mm. constantly, just, just about the dumbest shit. But it was a really intense, huh. really intense. Did you guys have like similar stuff you were trying to do? Was it like competitive or something? No, it was just I, I was I was I had a lot of uh, a lot of like anxiety problems. Mm. I had like 
had this weird obsessive compulsive disorder and and you know if like she like fucked with my stuff I would like you know just with my routines or like where I had placed things in like certain orders I'd like flip out yeah um and yeah it's just general bullshit <laughs> there's no there's no excuse for it it was it was a dumb yeah but yeah. it was intense and uh yeah what was like your early music that you remember getting down with James Brown was probably like my first like big like what the hell is this mm. this is amazing yeah I remember like when I was five I used to do like impersonations of him all the time but I, th- I think one of the big things was whenever when did Batman come out with Stephen Steve Keaton or Michael Keaton Michael Keaton uh, when I was in second grade which means like eight or nine yeah, I was born in eighty one. Yeah. It's, Were you as well yeah, at the same time? Yeah. Um or eighty of eighty two. Early eighty two. So whenever that came out, someone got it for me as like a as a as a gift, like the VHS. My parents are like, This is too violent. He loves um I love that movie, uh Trading Places. Oh yeah. I was I it's an amazing film. To look back on it, like it's it's it sucks that comedies aren't crafted as well as stuff yeah. like that was. Um, it's and, a ballsy concept too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's yeah, it uses some rough language in parts. Um, just yeah, just like the whole racist aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love that movie. So they're like, okay, let's instead of. We'll, let's swap out the the Batman for the Eddie Murphy best of Saturday Night Live, mm. and it had like all these James Brown impersonations oh, on yeah. it, and that like and that even just like sent me off further into like mm. really loving that guy. Because I remember, because like I think he had like two tracks on the Good Morning Vietnam soundtrack. Um, I know there were like all these little ways that James Brown got introduced to me, and I was just like obsessed with this guy. Yeah, it was incredible. I think when I was in middle school my friend and I got a copy of some live uh, some live thing that he did and he like it's a man's man man's man's world was like is the song where like when he does it live he breaks into like a medley like mm. towards the end and like it also like breaks down halfway through in like just like a like a just a jam session and he goes off and he had like all these monologues he used to do about like the princes of peace and he would like like give it up for these various princes of peace and then he would like lay tell the band to like lay into it and there was this like one live recording where like the version of that song I've never been able to find it again mm. um, it's just incredible it's like the heaviest funk he changes it up depending on what recording you've got but like yeah. he'll talk about like Bobby Kennedy and like Martin Luther King and uh, Bob Marley and mm. like um, let's talk about various, what he calls them, princes of peace. Yeah. Um, and then, and, like, depending on who the band is or what time period is, they do, like, a different, like, riff between each one. Or, like, he'll, like, he'll just say, like, hit it, and they'll be like, dun 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 yeah, 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 dun yeah. And there's just one recording that I just, like, from middle school, I really remember it a lot. And then I think when I was in high school, I started, um getting really into um, this radio station near where I live called WFMU yeah. and their magazine. Uh, one of the 
the DJs wrote um, like a full analysis of all the different versions of popcorn that he's done. Mm. Um, like the five or six different, yeah. Movies, like you know, let a man come in, do the popcorn. I think they're like, I think it was like popcorn one and two, let a man come in, uh, mother popcorn. Um, I don't know. There are probably a bunch of others. Um, and he just did like this full analysis in that article, like helped expand on that. He's always, he's always been a pretty big part of my life. What did the guy say about the different, the six? He just kind of like went into an in-depth like description of like right. all of them. I've, I've read, it was so long ago that I read it. I can't remember. Yeah, you know, like 15, 17 years ago or something. But and w- what was that magazine? Um, it was called Lowest Common Denominator. Okay. Yeah, which they 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 stopped I think in the early two thousands or early mm. two thousand. But they like in the nineties they had a bunch of issues. Uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty cool. awesome magazine. So, how how old are you when you first hear WFMB? Probably like twelve or thirteen. Mm. Like, how long had it been around? It had been around for a really long time. It used to be part of a college, and then the college went bankrupt. Oh like, wow! And they're like, "Well, let's just keep trying to raise money for ourselves. Yeah, and we can just keep going as a separate entity." And um, I think that happened in the early nineties. Um, okay. So, I don't think it had been too too long as an independent when I started to get into it. Yeah. What were some early things you like heard from from there from like WF? Um, they used to broadcast Alan Watts lectures, and that was really important. Uh, to me, I still remember his retelling of like various Zen Buddhist uh, tales mm. that like have like still tremendous impact on my life. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Just, just, still, just pretty much anything I heard on there yeah. was, was an incredible, was an incredible eye opener. You know, because I think. Because back then in, like, the mid-90s, you've got... Like, the internet isn't what the internet is today. Yeah. Like, you've got your gopher space. You can, like, chat on the AOL or something. Right, right. But, like, to really, like, track down and find things. So, like, to discover music back then was a totally different process. And so to have, like, all of this strange stuff being, like, fed, uh, you know, into your ears on like a constant basis was really amazing yeah because otherwise you, i would have no like how would you like now you can you hear a song you don't know what it is you just hold up your phone and it like runs right. it through a database and it tells you and then you can buy it instantly right yeah. there and have like the full version but back then if like you heard a song even if it was on the radio if they didn't tell you what that song was how would you ever know yeah you can't type lyrics into the internet you can't go to the library and like look up the lyrics in like a card catalog right, right, <laughs> like, right. how will you ever know what that song is or where it's from or what it's about yeah um it was you know and then when you did find music like that it became that much more like precious and important to right. you like now people are just like you know, oh, I'm subscribed to 15 music blogs that send me a new MP3 every single day, and like right. I can't even keep up with the amount of stuff that's out there. Yeah, and it becomes cheaper to you. Like its its personal value is cheaper. Yeah, 
Um, and so like that whole discovery process, I think for me back then was really important. Like everything was amazing. Like I, I just had, I was always listening to cassette tapes from the radio, like constantly in school. Um, and I would just record the radio all the time because I knew mm. I was never going to hear that music again. Yeah, definitely. Until now. <laughs> now I just no. go on the old pirate bay. Shazam. Shazam it. <laughs> I've, yeah, I'm kind of against Shazam. Uh, really? Yeah. I feel like like if someone here, if someone puts on music in a store and then someone hears it, all they have to do is go up to the register or something and be like, hey, what is it? <laughs> I feel like it just eliminates like the last like human <laughs> step <laughs> or something. That's kind of... I'm kind of into that. You're into it? Yeah, I um, I don't... I have like a Amazon Prime account. Uh-huh. Because um, I don't have a car. Um, so like I get everything shipped to me. Like I don't go to stores at all and like interact with people. Mm. And it is so awesome. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, the other day they like sent me a free sample of like you know just like a 20 ounce drink like in with all the stuff like I could just order like my f- my regular food like, oh like, yeah, yeah. Shop, do everything and it comes like in two days or the next day and I don't have to pay anything extra um, it's but like the the not going to stores I think has saved me so much stress I love it I, I hear you I hear you but don't you think with music don't you think it's kind of made to for people to interact together or not not so much um yeah yes and no Mm -hmm. i think the fact that recorded music can be enjoyed alone is an amazing thing yeah it doesn't bind you to other people but i think yeah a lot of the origins of, of music is like a communal sort of thing yeah yeah sometimes some of it's for people who are just like a lot of instruments are made for people who are just out on their own, right, like right, herding right. sheep in some Mongolian mountain, and <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know they're like they've got no one to interact with, so they make little music for themselves somehow. Yeah. Like, at what time or what age do you get involved with WFMU? Uh, I first started volunteering with them around like thirteen or fourteen. I think around oh, fourteen. Oh wow. Um, yeah, my my parents were were awesome in that they would, you know, drive me the forty five minutes or whatever to to the station. Yeah, um, I'd give them a couple times to like skip school. And they were cool with that to go volunteer because yeah. it was just I think they were into the fact that I was really into something. Yeah. Um, what does it mean at that age to like volunteer? Like, I mean, whenever you start at volunteering, it's always basic stuff, but yeah. like. I think it, it introduced a whole new community to me, mm. and which was really important. You know, like, I wasn't a kid. I was just another person. Yeah. You know, and that, like, for, like, the first time. Mm. And that was, that was really, that was really great. Yeah. And when did you start, ha- like, having your own show? Um, I never, I never really planned on on having a show but then yeah. one of my friends there Jason Engel who had a show he was the Cosmic Cowboy oh, okay um, he was like yeah yeah you should um, 
you should do a show. I'll talk. I'll mention it to Brian, who was the program director at the time. And Brian's like, yeah, yeah, make like a demo or whatever, demo tape. And I did, and he's like, yeah, let's 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 do it. Let's have you fill in. Like you, the the process is kind of like a lot of people volunteer there just to get a show, mm-hmm. but I haven't been volunteering for about like seven years before I got a show because mm-hmm. I just it wasn't like that wasn't my path. Like right. I wasn't like. And some people were just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go through the whole volunteer process just so, just so I can get a show. Yeah. Um, but once I started that process, it was just kind of like I did one fill-in, and then I had a late-night show, and then the next uh, season change, I had a like a Saturday night eight o'clock. Oh wow! Show. Nice. It was really crazy. <laughs> what was your show like? Um, it started out kind of, kind of, kind of dancey. And experimental, yeah, and then kind of got moody and experimental. Mm. But I also had a lot of live guests perform. Oh yeah, the show. like a ton. Like who'd you have? I, I don't know. Every everybody. Who were some <laughs> Who were some memorable people? Um, to you, uh, uh, Casual Dots, uh, mm. Electrolane, uh, Yuko Nexus Six. Um, Dan Deacon, Video Hippos, like that whole crew. Ponytail mm. did a really crazy show where Molly was uh, on in Arizona and she like called in, did vocals like <laughs> through the phone. Um, awesome. uh, yeah, no, there's so many people. Yeah, that's awesome. No things. A lot of bands that don't exist anymore, mm. but were like really, really amazing. Child Abuse was a really good band that played. So, is that how you? made the connection with Baltimore people? Uh, pretty much. I think, like, Dan was was my main yeah. connection. We, um... I... I had been working a little bit with this label who was signing um, Langhorn Slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I went up to see Sean at Purchase, see a show, and that was one of Dan's first shows as like a solo performer oh, wow. and he had like I think he just had he had some sort of thing where the computer was generating either random things for him to say or random tones and he was and he was doing vocals over it but it was really awesome and he had like you know his CDRs and I um, got them and uh, he came on the show like three times mm. um and yeah, we just, uh, we both thought we were the other person was absolutely insane, but then we became <laughs> friends, and then we did a, a tour together in uh, uh, 2000, 2005, 2006, mm. and that was like a like I think maybe we'd already been pretty solid connection to Baltimore by then. But, sure, yeah. But I had like started got to know people in purchase and then, yeah and that's how i got to down to baltimore how long has had ocdj as like an act existed by that not point? not that long dan booked me for the first show i ever played and it was it wasn't like dance music it was like this moody experimental mm. uh you know post-concrete stuff um and at purchase or something yeah it was like a at whitson's memorial greeting hall nice um, 
And then I had maybe played like two or three shows after that, and then I played, and then Dan asked me to play another show, and I made like these like little dance numbers for it. Oh yeah, because at one of the shows I had this one dance number, and he was like, "Yeah, you should do more of that." And then I did like three more. He's like, "Ah, oh, that's awesome. We should do a tour together." And then we did a tour together like, mm. right away. So not that not long. Yeah. Not as like yeah, not as an act. And how did the tour go? It was amazing. Mm. It was, there was so many things went wrong, um, <laughs> but in the end, it was uh, an amazing experience. Did you go like all the way out west and back? Or? I don't. Th- we didn't do the west coast. We went as far west as like we did like the Chicago, Little Rock. Like, kind of went down halfway through the country. Yeah. And then, yeah, so we went down south first. Like, Greenville was the first stop. Mm. And then, um, and then down to Florida. Then up and over to, like, Little Rock, and then all the way up to Chicago. And then, and then across and back home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Did you leave that tour being like, I want to do more of this? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, we we got into fights towards the end, and there were like, you know, I I drank back then, and so it was. We we both, both of us got into some pretty, uh, crazy situations from drinking, and mm. um, it was a lot of partying. It was great, but that's like where I met. I mean, that's where I met, um, uh, the Future Islands dudes on that tour. I mean, I met everybody that I still know today on that yeah. tour pretty much like Future Islands dudes um then we played a show I had kind of known uh Kevin O'Mara and Adam Endress and Pete um and Jim cause they uh, so uh, Blood Baby and Video Hippos were on tour and we crossed paths we played a show together that was oh, really cool. amazing um that's where I met uh, Mercer from Secret Squirrel yeah um yeah, I met a lot of people on that tour for the first time. It was, it was incredible. Mm. Yeah, really important. And are, are you, like, full-on, like, dance music by that time? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like the chip y dance stuff. Yeah. Um, still did not have it down that well. Like, I had, like, everything on separate files, so I played, like, a two-minute song. Like, all my songs were, like, two minutes. Mm. Play a song, like, stop, i got to load up the next file. <laughs> all right, everybody. You better start dancing because it's only the last two more minutes and then I stop again. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and are you still like doing the show at this time? Um, yeah, I took a break for that. Um, I I stopped doing the FMU show in think like mm, April or May 2006 Mm. okay am I correct that you had just got the fireworks to the eye at that point or did that happen earlier that happened that happened a lot earlier oh okay yeah maybe you just like explained it to me or there was like a well not too much earlier yeah um that was like a I got hurt in 2003 Mm. did you like completely lose sight in one eye? Yeah, I can't, I can't really oh, see okay. that. That's what's up. Um, 
Yeah, that that's actually that was so that's one of my first experiences with Dan. Like I got like I saw him play, I got his CD, and I was like, you have to come, you have to come play on my show. That'd be, and he was like, oh, that's awesome. And and then like a week before the show or something, I got I got hurt. Yeah. And I had to have a surgery that night or that day, and I was like, I can't. I'm got to cancel that show. Um, but we can reschedule for another time. He's like, no. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I have to have surgery that day, like, yeah, like or, like I can't, I can't do the show. The show's at like two o'clock in the morning, it's from right, two to right. six in the morning. Like I can't do it. He's like, no, you, we have to do it. I'll, I'll play on whoever fills in for you. I'm like, no, nah, that's not how fill-ins work, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, you let them do their own thing. Um, and he's like, no, we got to do it, got to do it. And he was like really insistent, and <laughs> so. I was like, okay, you, we can do it if you do all f- four hours. Like, you got to do four <laughs> like, hours. He, like, hosts the show. Yeah, like, I get, hours. I sit there. And so the show's at 2. I wake up I wake up from the anesthesia at, like, 11.30 at night. And I had just, like, gotten, like, the whole... They had, like, sewed a membrane in underneath my eyelid around my mm-hmm. eyeball. So the whole thing's, like, totally screwed up. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm on a lot of drugs. And like my dad uh, drives me over from the hospital to to the radio station and lets Dan in. It's like Dan, Connor, and, and Melanie, and I think Ray, Roy, and Dina maybe. And and he just like you know just does his thing. I'm completely out of it the whole time. <laughs> and did that was it like the a dude like from. WFMU that made yeah. yeah it's um it's not a it's not a good story I don't like yeah we don't have to yeah <laughs> cool it's a it's a really it's just the end result it, it was it's it just sad mm. it's just a sad story because it just it's a lot of broken friendships and, oh that sucks yeah I mean it's why I left the station you know so, oh okay um from stuff yeah, related to that. Going. Yeah. Cool, cool. So. But, but uh, yeah. But so, like, and, uh, I mean, I remember in 2006 when we did those round robin shows that I felt like by that time you had, like, a definitely had a fan. We're starting to get a fan base. Like, I felt like peop- there were people at the New York shows that were, like, there to see you. At least I thought. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's how it seemed to me, at least. Um, I I think the, I've only I've only felt like there's been a fan base in like a couple little cities. I don't mm. think New York was one of them. Mm. I think maybe I, just seeing that. Way. I think like people like my stuff in Baltimore. Yeah. And then maybe, like Little Rock, Arkansas. And those yeah. are like the main places. <laughs> Every time I play in Little Rock, they're talking about OCD. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're just like, when's it coming back? <laughs> yeah, Little Rock was always was always a, a an intense time. Those people yeah. like partying really hard. Yeah. There's this one dude who used to like. He was really mad at us because we were late. Like something van broke down or something, and um, or just traffic, and we were late, and so the whole show was late, and he had. 
take an acid or something like t at the right like at a particular time because he thought like so, so it would like kick in really hard when I was playing and so then it was like kicking in really hard and nothing was going on it's just like tripping out really hard might have taken a bunch of other stuff too like a lot of E or whatever but and is that around the time you moved to Baltimore like 2006 yeah I just in July of 2006 I got back from a sailing trip went down to Charleston to pick up to to get this boat and then and then I brought it up to New York and I stopped by in Baltimore picked up Josh Kelberman and we went up to New York and then Josh went back and then I picked up Janet Hunter and then we came back down and there were some other people on the boat and, and then we just it was a really stressful situation and so we just I decided to call it quits in Baltimore and then, and so then I just started staying living in Baltimore. I'd been hanging out there for a yeah. while. I would like come down for shows and maybe play a show. And then shortly after that was that that round robin tour. Oh, okay. that was like October two thousand six, right? Yeah. So what what gave you the idea to get this this boat? Um, I I really just wanted to uh, to be able to get away from everything, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of live in the ocean and just be able to run away I, I have this problem where I'm always running away from things and uh, and I think having having a boat living on a boat is a great way to like you're always ready to go yeah you're always ready to just like uh, you know in, in a moment I can be in the middle of the ocean just surrounded in my own little world yeah and what are you trying to get away from um, just uh, anything, mm. the world. Yeah. Um, life, things that I've done. Um, yeah, I just run away a lot. Mm. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different way to exist when you're kind of like in the middle of the water, and it make it just makes a lot more sense sense to me. Yeah, life just makes more sense. Yeah, mm. like the things that you're experiencing, just like the basic forces on your life are, are different on your on your being. And, yeah, um, it makes it makes a lot more sense. Life still doesn't make sense to me in general. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> how does it... How are you confused? I don't know. I feel like I'm at a point in life where I'm sort of like, what is the point of life? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, yeah. Kind of like... Thinking about... I think everyone my age... Or our age is like... Beginning to think about death in a, a real way like sure like a, a real way like oh this is actually like at least like one third over and <laughs> you know what I mean and like like what is gonna happen you know what is uh, how do we know if we're doing anything right or yeah and we know? get to the age where like our you know our our parents are are getting older yeah um you know like my dad's 71 now you know and I, he 
you know, I've been like really on his case to retire for a long time. He finally stopped working. Mm. Um, but it's just kind of like, you know, if you're lucky, you've got 10 years left. If you're right. lucky, you've got 10 good years left. Right. Like, right. why are you working at 70 years old? Like, yeah. get, like, quit that shit. Um, uh, yeah, death has always uh, been, like, a pretty real thing, I think, to me. Mm. Like, I think for the past, like, over 10 years, I've just had enough, like, near death experiences where, like, it's like I just think it's gonna happen any any time. Yeah. Like even just like a couple of weeks ago, I almost died. What happened? <laughs> uh, it was like I don't know. It was in the 30s or 40s here. It was pretty. It was pretty chilly. Like maybe in the 40s. It was like raining, and I was uh, in my dinghy, and the dinghy was like kind of filled with water because of the rain. And I went to to bail it out, and so I'm standing, and, and I step in the bow, and then all the water comes rushing in and just forces the bow under. As in the dinghy just like drops, wow. just sinks from underneath me. Yeah. And so I'm like grabbing on. I've got like backpack and like a like sweater and coat and like, you know, rubber boots and you know, and it's water is freezing and I'm just I can't, I can't pull myself out. I've got like my backpack on with like my computer and everything in it. And yeah. Like, and so like I'm. I'm desperately trying to, I'm like barely holding on to the rail. I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, this is the middle of the night too. And I'm just like, what do I do? I can't physically pull myself onto the boat. Yeah. And as I'm like trying different things and trying to figure it out, like I can like just feel the energy like leaving my arms. Like I just, you know, before I used to be able to pull this hard. Now I can only pull this hard. And, you know, you just... Like and that, and then everything's just like starting to like freeze up, and like your muscles are just starting to lock, and you're just like, yeah. "What else is there? Like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I'm not. There's no way I'm gonna be able to swim to shore with all this stuff on me. I can't like get it all off in time. Yeah, um, I've got no energy left. The current is really strong too. Like, uh, I tried getting to the bow to grab onto the bobstay and lift myself up. Um, it's the only thing that's low in the water, and. Uh, I let go of the boat for a second. I just got like shot back. Like that, the current was ripping. It would just take me right out. Yeah. Um, and there's just points where I just didn't think I was gonna be able to get out of this. Yeah. Wow. So how, how did did you get it? <laughs> um, the dinghy was tied up to the boat, so I stood on the the painter at the line that uh, connects the dinghy to the boat, and um, I stood on it and got some slack in it and then like got off of it and there was a bunch of slack and I like tied a foot loop mm. and then I like kind of the first one was too low and I had to redo it and I like and then just kind of like got a foot in it and then kind of got myself on but I like even with that foot loop I barely got on like I was just yelling at myself at that point I'm just like get on the boat get on the boat get on the boat <laughs> just like like a like a coach just yelling at a, somebody and oh my god yeah and then I, I got on and I was you know I only owned one, one pair of, I bought a second pair of pants after that because I was like yeah I have nothing to change into yeah um is that kind of one of the things you're saying like running you're running away from sort of like mortality almost um yeah, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of uh, confused thoughts about 
about mortality. Mm. Um, I think at the, the point I'm at now is a point that I've I've crossed paths with before, which is just I mean I don't want this to come off wrong because like I I really love the world. Yeah. Like it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And the and the people that I I love in my life are 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 incredible and I enjoy my time with them. Um, and I'm always amazed by like the seemingly simplest things like you know just a beautiful sky or like birds flying around but at the same time I'm just kind of like okay so really like okay so like this I just gotta like do this every day for right. how long like forever yeah what's like like I get it I get it this is a great place this is amazing I get this I'm, I like that I'm not going to do anything. I don't believe in like anything in my life being important after I'm gone, you know, like so what what am I doing? Why am I just why do I keep doing this every day? Right, right. Why right. do I keep waking up every day? What's the point? What am I doing it for? <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I, I I appreciate life and then I also at the same time I'm kind of I'm gonna say I'm bored with it, but you know I'm kind of like I'm over it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like all right, I've been doing this for thirty, thirty-two years, thirty-three years. Um, I can, you know, why am I? Why? <laughs> right. What's the What's the point? Do you feel like it's those kind of things? They're easier to deal with here than like in a city or something. Um, cities, the cities, and a lot of like human inter- interaction can can help distract you from those things. Um, but I think living this type of life breaks it down in a simpler way, where you like you kind of break your life down into to to simple actual tasks mm. and then it becomes a, more of a routine but still there's no answer there's no or there's no good answer right there's right. no good answer to like why no good reason yeah uh, I have to f- I have to finish it I just picked up um, uh, Camus Myth of Sisyphus mm. his his just whole argument against suicide um, yeah and so far, the argument's not not that good. <laughs> what is it? What is the argument? Um, uh, at this point, he's he doesn't seem to be too concise or or focused in his mm. in his in his thinking. Like he kind of seems to be jumping around a lot uh, in his ideas and kind of obscure in the way that he de- he describes things that he accepts as certainties. Um, you know, just like and. So, I don't know, I'll let you know. It's not a long book, but I still yeah. haven't gotten through <laughs> isn't it. Isn't it sort of like, almost like the meaning of life is not to kill yourself? <laughs> or, yeah. I mean, it's kind of... I don't... It In the end, it's, it's an absurdity. Mm. You know. You... If you don't believe in an, in an afterlife, then there's no way you can even conceive of what death is. Right. Like, death is not even a, a thing. Like, it's... 
you know, if you were to enter it, if you try to look at it and like, you'd have like a complete error, like a syntax breakdown for how to describe how, like what death is to any sort of system. You know, yeah. it just, it's, it's a nothing. It's an absurd, it's an absolute absurdity. Um, in, completely incomprehensible and it it makes everything invalid you know like you can't like problems aren't solved like it's just another completely incompatible concept of consciousness and life and so you it's hard to like how how then how do you compare them if they're not compatible right like you can't and or i can't yeah who doesn't seem to be doing a very good job of it and um yeah, I guess you, you know, there's there's that line in um, uh, "Old Man River." Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. Love that song. Yeah, I don't like most of the versions of that song because they're just like they're snappy. Oh yeah, yeah. and they're like yeah. But there are a couple of versions where it's like it's almost played like a dirge and like really captures the desperation of that song. There's that one line where he's, uh, they say like uh, uh, "tired of living and scared of dying." Mm. Like what do you what do you do? You can't you don't want to do either of these things and you yeah. can't. And it's not even about being scared of of dying as it is just like instinctually you're opposed to it. Yeah, yeah, and I always feel like. Dying is guaranteed, so <laughs> so why 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 like what what's the rush? You what's know? the rush? <laughs> I talk I I talk about it and I, I I weigh it in myself as if it matters. Fucking matter. Hmm. Well, it does for you. Not really, mm. because of that that ultimate absurdity. Mm. Of the like the loss of consciousness, right, right. Um, ultimately, we have no idea what we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah, ultimately, <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm just just a fussing over, which I guess has become part of my daily routine now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as eating and and drinking, going to the bathroom and sleeping. Yeah, fuss over whether or not I should wake up the next day. I remember. You setting off on some crazy missions. Like, did you go up to like Nova Scotia and stuff like that at some point? Not yet. Yeah. I that is that is the other story of my life, which is plan big, fall short. Mm. You know, just you know, I I always plan these big adventures, and then something happens, always. And I can always count on something to happen. But at the same time, I fully believe and have to believe that I am going to accomplish these things yeah. as I plan to do them. But in order to like brace myself for the eventual failure, I you know, also understand that my plans will not always or ever come into, come into fruition. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I've planned a bunch of trips that have always fallen something you know, something happens like mm. you know at one of the big ones I left you know I wanted to go down around Africa and like head over to East Asia but like the first 
bit out, like some stuff went wrong. I stopped in to fix it, and then a hurricane came and like totally fucked up the boat. Oh yeah, and that like drained a bunch of uh, a bunch of money and uh, energy and time. Yeah. Um. And you know the, I, I always plan big and always fall short. No, I. Well, <laughs> you're out here. You know what I mean. Like, I don't know. If yeah, I see what you're saying. It's like if that's what it takes to get out and, and get still, where it's you just, it's go. in the end it's just to keep myself busy mm. you know like my life is pretty great mm. yeah you know it's I live I'm currently in a place with you know nice weather yeah um you know my living expenses are like nothing you know I can live really comfortably off of like five hundred dollars a month or less yeah. I can live off of less. I can live comfortably off of that much. Right, right. Um, you know, so I, I, I work part of the year and I don't work the rest of the part. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, I've got, uh, I've, it's, it's comfortable. It's, it's a yeah. nice life. It's a beautiful scenery. And when you break it down, that's all that really matters. Yeah. You know? Totally. <laughs> like, like, I never really understood. Why did you sort of fall back from music for a while um a lot of a lot of reasons mm. um whew, yeah just a just a ton I think I th- I was losing a lot of money doing it yeah um I think um when I first started playing I was happy to play anywhere on like any any system yeah like oh you got a boom box you gotta like a just come up listen to my computer speakers like right right i was happy to play on anything and the, the more serious i got i took writing music and producing music i had higher standards for it and it yeah. was hard it was frustrating to like to meet those all the time and that required me to like uh get my own pa mm-hmm which was really expensive, and then you know that needed a van instead of just a car to drive around. Yeah, and, um, I'm I'm a bad negotiator. You mm. know, like I feel for some reason I I don't felt like put a lot of monetary value on my music. Mm. Like I can't. I don't ever say to somebody like I like I need this much money to play your show. Yeah. Like whenever I've done that, I feel bad about it, and I've always under undersold it. Like I've always. I've always lost money on shows. Yeah, I've never, ma- I've never made money. Like even just, just recently, the, the Baltimore show. Like I thought I was asking for a lot of money, and I was like, you know, um, Abdul been asking me for a long time to play that party, and yeah. I was like, you know, I, I'll play it, but you know, it's gonna cost me like two hundred dollars to like get up to Baltimore and come back. And he's like, yeah, that's okay. We can pay you two hundred dollars. Um I thought that was like a, a, a lot to ask for, um, and you know, it ended up costing like three over over three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I lost I lost money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then I, I left my headphones up there, and they got taken. So like, you know, yeah, I lost like a couple hundred dollars yeah. to play that show. And that's just that's how every show goes. And so yeah. that was a big thing. Um, I also just, uh, I don't know, I have a weird relationship with, like, 
performing, you know. How so? I just um, I like it and I and I dislike it at this you know simultaneously. Yeah. And um, and I just keep going back and forth on it. Mm. You know, I'm constantly saying. Like, oh, I really want to get back into performing. I really want to put my music out there. And then saying as much like, this is this world is bullshit. Right. <laughs> why, am I, right. why would I ever want to do this? Why do I want to put myself out there? Um, you know, and I think a lot of people I really respect have gone through through similar yeah, things. Yeah, totally. Like, um, you know, I think... Like Michael Nyman and Todd Doc's daughter both didn't like perform or put anything out for like twenty years, mm. or like Todd Doc's daughter even longer, like thirty years or something, something crazy before his first release again. Um, you know, and I think there's also this weird thing about like I, I don't think my music is taken seriously enough. And then at the same time, I think people take it way too seriously. Mm. <laughs> these these conflicting ideas that I think are are are, are happening happening concurrently. Yeah, um, it's a weird thing. Yeah, the whole money aspect of it, and I hate it. And I think I was at a point where if somebody offered to be a booking agent or agent manager, or whatever, for me, I would have like. I would have kept doing it because I just did not want to deal with the money. I didn't want to deal with like self promotion. Yeah. Like write one sheets for myself and describe myself in cool ways. Right, right, right. Or like you know, this is why my music's great. Um, but no one offered to do that because no one knew that I wanted. Because <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't even take the step to like look for somebody to do that for yeah. me. Yeah. But I don't think that's how it works. I don't I don't I don't feel like many people that have a booking agent I don't think they like just called up a booking agency and was like I'm currently seeking representation or so. I, I feel think like that works for I think that's how some people do it. You think? Yeah, you know, maybe it's not like a cold call. Right. You know, right. but it's kind of like oh, you you represent a friend of mine. My band's doing pretty well touring on our own. Like, yeah, would absolutely. You wanna, would you want to yeah. rep us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that's how a bunch of people I know have done it. Mm. So you feel like you kind of missed your shot to do that in a way by just not at the time, by just mm. not being vocal about it. Maybe. Yeah. That's also assuming that anyone would have said yes. <laughs> yeah, I think they would, but. Um, I got I just got really frustrated with performing. Um Yeah. Can I get a little more? Sure. It's a little cold, but no problem. And when like when would that be that you started to wind wind down with shows? I think like early two thousand eight is when I mm. like tried to really call it quits. Mm. Of course I always get back to other shows and I yeah. came in because it's always friends asking um, yeah like I think April 2008 was like supposed to be like my last show was that in Baltimore? Uh, I think it was a Death by Audio oh okay how did it go? it went okay I think Kevin cool. was playing with me I think Jim might have played with me too oh cool 
Yeah, I yeah. loved having when it was you and Kevin together. And Jim played guitar in a, in a show or two, and it sounded awesome. He was just improvising, mm. but it sounded really good. Really good. I don't know, like I moved out of Baltimore for a minute. For a while, maybe. And, and Kevin did too. And that slowed things down too. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like I haven't, I haven't written Kevin, but I've been meaning to because I really, I really miss him. Yeah, like he's a really important person to me, and um, I think it would be amazing to try to start making music with him again. You guys should do it. That would be awesome. I think, I think if I started doing a different type of music, it mm. would be better. But everyone wants to hear the old, old stuff. Can you I don't do, do the old new stuff. and old or no? It's kind of it's kind of hard. Um, I think like when you're when you're just a producer, like when you just a, like your performance is, you've got like a keyboard and a computer, and you're just like creating music on your computer. People have a hard time understanding what that's all about, and usually they make you really quiet, or it's like a like the shitty PA sort of situation. Because yeah. they'll be like, oh yeah, we got bands playing on this PA all the time. It sounds great. Well, yeah, the bands play on it, so like only the vocals are going right. through, and so it can't handle this. And people don't understand how important it is to like the person who makes it that it right. sound great. And the analogy that I try to use, you know, for people, when I, or I used to use was like. You know, if like you shot like a beautiful film and you want to screen it for somebody, it's like screening a great film for like a crowd on like a tiny like twelve inch shield TV, yeah, totally. you know, that you can like and no one can like see and it's like horrible yeah. quality. And it's, you know, and when my music was a lot simpler, that made sense. Like mm. I could do it on little things; it was no big deal. But the the better I got at it, and the more I cared about it, like the more like I put into my music. Because music started out super simple, just like yeah. catchy little pop tunes, and then they're still pretty simple catchy little pop tunes. But I've like I was putting more of myself into it, mm. and um, and I I think it comes across. I yeah, hope it comes across. And but the new stuff you want to play, it would not be. It would be like music that would be okay to be on a whack PA. Is that, is that what you mean? Um, no, but it, like people, like if there were like a drummer or like other people involved with it, weren't like just a computer. Mm. People take you more seriously. Like they turn you up louder. Yeah, for one. Sometimes. Um, and. They understand what you're doing better when there are like other people or instruments involved. Yeah, definitely. Because people still, like, even really good friends who know know what I do, still like will call what I do DJing, and mm-hmm. I like it drives me crazy. Mm. A lot of a lot of electronic people feel that way. Yeah, like oh, you just like I I remember this one really bad show towards the end. Um, Benny Bolt and I went up to. Um, some college in New York, in New York State, um, and like I played, you know, I, I play short sets, you know, I played yeah. like a thirty-minute set or something, and some people, this one dude in particular was really pissed. He's like, "It's like we paid you a bunch of money, and, and in the end, I lost money. I had to rent the van to get up there right. and stuff." 
um, he's like, we paid you a bunch of money and you only played this short set. Like, don't you have other songs? On your, like, people always say, like, don't you have other songs on your computer? Right. You, you must have, like, a ton of songs on your computer. I'm like, no, I wrote I wrote those songs. Yeah. Like, all and the music. And performed them for you yeah, tonight. Like, yeah. yeah, I put, like, somebody else's vocals over it because right. I can't rap and right. I can't sing. So I, like, sample people. But, like, all of the music behind it is a song that I wrote. Right. Like, right. I don't have tons of those. I've got X amount. Yeah. And some of them I don't want to play anymore. So I can't go on for an hour and a half. You right, know, I'm right. not I'm not a mashup person. Like, I'm right. writing, like, pop tunes. What is, you know, I remember thinking at one point, maybe, like, 2007... Like, did you did you have a hard time with their all of a sudden also being girl talk? Is this national figure? I got a I got a lot of comparisons, mm. um, and I think that added to that confusion of like you know because he's got seemingly infinite amount of samples that he could just continue to loop over yeah. themselves, and I think that caused like a lot of confusion. People thinking that's what like I was doing. Mm. Um, that I was, like, putting one person's thing on top of another person's thing, not my own. Right, right. I think it added to that confusion. Um, it was, it was, there was a weird time. I think, like, I played a show in, or I just DJed a show, um, uh, in 2005 or 2006 or something, and it was, like, it was Girl Talk and Drop the Lime and this project called So Red, which was that white, it was act, was like a pre-White Williams oh, okay. thing. And it was just funny that, like, everybody on that bill, like, you know, it was a really small show. It was, like, Bar 169 in Chinatown. And, you know, a handful of people came out. Um, it was great. It was a fun time. But then, like, everybody on that, on that bill, except for me, like, within, like, two years was, like, 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 playing huge shows. Right, right, right. Um, it was it was it was a little weird. Well, there's just something unfortunate when something like like I remember seeing you in 2007 and somebody being like being like yeah your man just got up there and did a girl talk <laughs> and I was like no <laughs> there's like a, a similarity between them but I I mean I guess it's understandable because it's it's becomes. His sound has become so iconic yeah. that it's like, it's someone you haven't heard yet, yeah. you would be like, oh, okay, he's like a Girl Talk fan that's, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, because I guess I haven't even really listened to a whole ton of his stuff, um, but I'm guessing like he just takes... But I know he just does samples. Like He doesn't right. do any synthesis. Right, right. And right. so he's just taking like... He'll take some, some like Southern rap, like vocals and lay them over on a just like a cat like a pop tune yeah that someone else wrote like a famous yeah. pop tune and and i'll say the first album was not like that okay the first album was actually closer to to what you do oh I'd say. but i think when he did the all sample style that that is what he became like known for that's of. yeah that's the only stuff i've ever i've ever known i mean i'm not i think my style is pretty pretty distinctive yeah 
like when I listen to like the, the just the way I write songs, it's like oh yeah, it's like like when you look at your handwriting, like oh that's my handwriting, like, right, I, right, it's, like, right. You recognize that as easily being your own. Um, but like almost all the stuff I do is just rip off, just rip off. And I do the thing is I try to rip something off, or I don't try to rip it off. I'm like I'm inspired. <laughs> this is a horrible thing to say. I'm like really like amped and like inspired by something. And yeah. then I go and then I, I try to do my thing and I'm not trying to directly recreate it but that's what's going into it and what's coming out on the other side is like totally different it's like mm. nowhere close like um, or or it just or it sounds like a, or a bad version of the, of the original no 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 <laughs> but I think like at that time what was like really inspiring me to like to do that was I was I was DJing out a lot, um, uh, doing a lot of dance hall, and there's this thing like in dance hall where you'll have like these just like there's the whole like sub sub micro genre of gun tunes, and it, okay, and it's like just your standard rhythms, and they're not necessarily even like dark, they're, like mm-hmm. they could be like just like your standard happy chill time rhythms and they'll yeah. be like they'll be like talking about all this like violent stuff and it's like that contrast always like really intrigued me mm. of just like and then you see like people just feel just like dancing up on each other and the guy's just like you know, shoot your mother in the face right, right, like, right. and I always like kind of really was intrigued by that contrast and so that's that's why I kind of started doing the stuff that I, I do. Yeah. And then also a more obvious reference point was I was a huge uh, knife hand shop fan. Oh, I don't um, know what that is. He's um, this is a Canadian, you know, producer, um, really awesome, and his stuff is like maybe a little bit more on the hardcore side, just like, do, 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 like mm. really distorted beats. Um, but I think like between knife hand shop and and dance hall was what kind of led me to make yeah that, I made. So that makes a lot of sense like so I guess as the shows wind down what it, it, it becomes more like your life is just centered around the boat kind of I yeah I felt like music was also distracting me from mm. the boat um, because it's kind of like I I've always been struggling with a lot of uh, just mental illness I guess mm-hmm. you know just, just like a lot of anxiety and depression issues and obsessive compulsive disorder uh, borderline personality disorder um, I don't know the list goes on mm-hmm. and and I knew that like being on the water, and sailing was like really important to like my well-being yeah. and I wasn't focusing on that enough and I wanted to focus on that more um, but still I, I make just as much music as I did yeah. back then I just I just keep it to myself mm. I like the music that I make I make it like to listen to yeah yeah I, I think that helps because I'm not I'm not singing on it like I'm uh-huh. not doing vocals so like I'm a little bit removed I'm not like hearing not just hearing myself like and like totally self-indulgent but i'm just here but i'm hearing something that i created yeah and um 
It's great. I listen to my stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You're making the music you want to listen to. Yeah. But that's cool. It, I mean, I can see how it might... I can tell, like, from the way you're talking, it's not going to be, like... And the release date is April 15th or something. <laughs> but, like, do you have... Do you have... Are you starting to form plans of some, some kind of release? Uh, no. Cool, cool. <laughs> it's, it's still at that point where if, like, someone came up to me and was, like... Like, for, like a, a label would be like, no, 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 we really want to put it out. Here, here's the deadline... Get it together. I would totally get it together. But that's yeah. not gonna happen, and that's cool. It could, and that's cool. What What is happening is I'm I'm working with a producer who lives down here, who uh, does documentaries, mm. and he's producing a documentary on the Spanish settlement in Georgia that like predated the Yorkton settlement by like a hundred years. Um, they're just like discovering this stuff now, wow. like doing digs and whatever. And so I scored. Uh, the like the the pitch EPK reel thing for it. Oh and wow! So whenever it gets picked up, hopefully it gets picked up. But I don't know. Yeah. Discovery Channel, PBS, whatever. Uh, then I'll be doing the I'll be scoring the whole documentary. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Is that that project going on? That's awesome. Or you know potential project. Can I ask uh, what I just recently heard about it? What is borderline personality disorder? Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but you it's were like diagnosed with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 not entirely sure. Okay. It's. I know it's different. They, it was explained to me that it's like different from, these other disorders that I've been diagnosed with, mm. um, because it's it's classified as a personality disorder, not a. Not a actual. I don't. Okay. Cool. But it's weird. I feel like I've known you for a long time, and I would never be like, "Yeah, my man has all these disorders." Or something. Uh, not that we we're not like best friends, but you know we've done shows together and everything. Yeah, you should talk to Dan, Dan Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> he like was he was really, he thought I was like really insane when mm. we first met. He's like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Just like. Just, like talking all, all the time about like random things and just like he didn't like trust me or something first and I felt I felt the same way about him mm. and you know but I think as time goes that went on and I've I've you know made progress with various things that yeah he's he's definitely someone that has noticed and appreciates like my development mm. interesting cool um yeah, I mean, and sometimes, you know, like, especially with anxiety and depression, they're hard things to notice in people because, like, anxiety often just makes you shut down. Mm. Like, you're, you're so overwhelmed, and, like, you either try to escape or evade situations, or, like, you can't talk because you're just so overwhelmed. Um,. And, and then depression, like, can make you just a recluse. You know, just, yeah. I sleep for 20 hours a day sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, so those things are hard to notice because they're all done in, like, this other private world. Right, you know? right, right. Like, you only know somebody's depressed if, like, you haven't seen them in weeks. Yeah. I mean, like, there was a time, even, like, before I left, right before I left Baltimore this last time, um, 
you know, I was living on the boat and I was living in the harbor in uh, Harbor East. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. I just couldn't. I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do I had to take, like, a medical leave from work because I just, like, I spent the entire month on the boat. I yeah. just could not get off. Like, I would just try and I'd just either, like, break down and cry or, like, whatever. Mm. But, you know, and, like, no one would know. No one would see that. Like, right, you know? right, right. Because <laughs> it just happens in this little hidey hole yeah. I've got in the water. Definitely. Def. Cool, man. Well, I don't know. It seems like, to me, it seems like you're in a real cool place at the moment. Um, I think it's alright. Yeah. It's pretty here. Yeah. This is, ultimately, I think you're right that there's kind of no answer <laughs> to, <laughs> to any of these questions. But I'm glad to know. I don't know. I think it's tight what you got going on. Thanks. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I just keep myself busy with these little tasks. Yeah. And at, music's good that way. Like, oh, I've got to, like, make the song. got to make an album. Yeah. You know? Um, I think there, there was a time um, where I did that. I did, like, a Kickstarter thing to make an album for people. Because, like, I was losing my shit. I was just, like... My world was just, like, falling apart. Mm. Like, I had... I was just like desperately selling everything I owned mm. just to get like money to eat and like pay for like medication and stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, Mercer was letting me crash at the secret squirrel for free. And, um, you know, I, and then I went on food stands and like I was, and that hurricane hit, I went to the, I went to the squirrel and then the hurricane hit and then I couldn't go out to the boat because like the roads and the bridges that got out there it was on the outer banks had all been like washed away mm. so I couldn't even like get to it so I had no idea what conditions the boat was in I got here I got back it was like it was a shallow it was in a shallow place so it didn't like fully sink but like the water was like like up to here or whatever like it was completely like submerged yeah um and you know, but I had like no money to fix it. I was in crazy debt with the with the dock, and I was just like, I need something to focus on. I need a, a project. Yeah. And so I like started that thing, um, which got finished and then unfinished. It, that's a whole other. The whole like I made all these albums and they all like uh, fell in the water. It's it uh. a, a, a weird thing. It's still like years later. It's still an ongoing uh, recreation process. But mm. I that was like a, a time where. I just needed a project. Like I yeah. needed, like I've got to focus my energy on music or something. Yeah. That's why. So let's keep doing that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again to Dan for a real cool interview. We'll see you next week.